Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. We got three. We got Chris, me, and Dylan. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Outstanding. Could be better right now. <laughs> the Golden State game. So uh, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna actually talk about these finals right now. Um, we're two games in. Third game is for us right now. Um, watching, recording um, as we're recording. Um, game one, kind of a shock, I have to say, and and Boston takes it. They get to split the series, and you know, with game two, Golden State taking it and looking very definitively like a you know a champion. Um, Chris, I'm gonna start with you. What are your thoughts so far on what you've seen of these finals? And we lost Chris. Do we got you, Chris? I'll go. All uh, right. Yeah, let's go, Dill. I, uh, so, so far uh, from the finals, it's been th- the game, was it game two? No, game, game one was good. Uh, game one was a good game. Uh, gold, like Golden State just gave it up late in, uh, in game, in the, in the fourth quarter, because they had control of the game for the first three quarters, had their normal, strong third quarter and then they got what it was 40 to 16 I think was the fourth quarter in game one that Boston outscored them by and they just dominated and took it home that honestly kind of surprised me uh, because of because Golden State lost game one of the finals on their home court that was I didn't think that was going to happen I don't think anybody did yeah no and then I think Golden State learned from that in game two and they put their foot to the pedal when they when they sensed boston was kind of slipping they put their foot to the pedal they didn't just kind of cruise boston because i think what i think golden state in game one kind of got complacent like we've been here they haven't been here yet they probably won't be able to come back down double digits in the fourth quarter in game one of the of the finals at on the road and they i think golden state underestimated them so i think game two they came out and just kind of put their foot on their necks and did not let them up because every time Boston started to put together a little bit of a run to get back in it, Golden State went on their own run. They they made a couple stops, got a couple buckets, and, and put them away. I mean Steph Curry though, I will talk about him. I think uh, in a minute, but has been sensational. But I'll let Chris talk about what he thinks of the final so far. Chris, I mean I haven't. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, what are you, I, I, now that we got you back, what are your thoughts so far on these finals? I'm just really taken aback about how poorly Jason Tatum has played. I mean, really the stars, because Jalen Brown, like, he's been playing decent, but both stars of Boston are not playing great. The guy, to me, the, the, Boston has two X factors as far as, like, if they play well. Mm-hmm there's a good chance they're winning. Um, Obviously Tatum and Brown, but if those guys are having an off night, even if those guys are having a good night, I think there's two players that can carry that team to a win in one of those. I forget who's explaining. I think it was Richard Jefferson. It was like the, how to win four games in a final series. And one of them is win a game you're not supposed to win. And I think if you're looking at guys like Al Horford and Marcus Smart, that game that you're not supposed to win was game one. To me, it's game one. I mean, like Dylan said, you're beating Golden State on their home court game one after being to the yeah. finals for the first time in a long time. And the guy who majorly stepped up in that comeback, obviously there's defense across, but Al Horford really stepped up offensively in the second half of that game. And to think about how old Al Horford is, he seems to have he he's had a resurgence in the last couple of years in the playoffs. He's played out he's played pretty good defense. His three point shooting, we I always knew it was decent, but holy smokes, it's like if he's shooting an open three, I feel very good about it rather than <laughs> anyone else. But normally you see him shoot, you're like, all right, here we go. Like almost like not quite as bad as the Draymond Green treatment. But you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to give an open shot to someone, I'm happy it's him. This playoff, yeah. this playoff, you can't really say that because he's hitting his threes. So I've just been really impressed by some of the role players. Um, Al Horford is probably, to me, if he has a good game, every time I see the Celtics win a big game, Al Horford has a good game. 
So apart from Tatum and Brown, to me, Al Horford is my X factor. And my surprise is the lack of help from Tatum. The two stars. Yeah, yeah Horford kind of I, – I, I'll say this. I felt like an idiot after game one because last week on the pod I said, well, Al Horford can't get you average you 15, 20 points a game for, for a whole series. Then he went on game one and just dominated. And I was like, well, I'd look like an idiot. But then he sucked it up in game two. So, well, I, I, I felt vindicated. Before the podcast, I said we were talking about it. I was like, Al Horford found the fountain of youth. He just won't tell anybody about it right now. Um he is playing pretty good. He he played great game one. He's been playing great this whole final, like this whole it playoffs. Um, I mean, heck, we're in the first quarter of the game, and Al Horford's three for three, seven points, two rebounds, two assists, and a block, and a very nasty dunk. <laughs> um, like, come on, for someone who's old, he to me he's the biggest game changer. You can expect Brown and Tatum to do well, but if Horford does well, to me their chances of winning jump up very high yeah so i uh, we talked about this last week you know dylan and i did um and it's been talked about throughout every news sports news outlet period and that's how stephen curry has to play great has to win the nba mvp or the finals mvp in order to cement some kind of a legacy I'm not going to argue that whole legacy part right now, but I will say this. It's a a dumb argument. Yes, it is. I will say this. Curry's play in these first two games have been great. He's done everything that they need to do. Even in the loss, he still had, what was it, 28? Dill, how many points did Curry have in game one? Uh, That's a great question. I forget. I know he's averaging 32 for the series. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's done everything defensively in game two. He stepped up. 34, 34 game one. Game one, 34 game two. No, 30. He had 30 game two. He would have had 30 game two. So I'm still, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you get your, get your bullets in um, and, and talk about Curry's play in these first two games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Steph Curry. Uh, I mean, he's he's always played well in the NBA Finals. Uh, I think it's kind of foolish for people to say, "Oh, well, Steph Curry isn't like he's not a final. He's never won Finals MVP." Yada yada yada. I I understand that, but if you look at the stats, he's never been bad. It's like uh, arguing that someone uh, hasn't made the Pro Bowl. It's fan voted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I just think it's – I don't know if the finals MVP is fan voted. It might be partially, but I don't think it's – Yeah, it's not. But that's Um, – to me, it feels like the same argument. Yeah, and it's just kind of ridiculous. But Steph's never struggled really in the playoff – or in the the finals. He's showed up. I I think I said on the podcast was it last week or a couple weeks ago – He's like the only guy who's ever had 25, five and five in the finals and not one of finals MVP. And he's done it four times. So like he's, he shows that he's, he's the guy that needs to do it. And this year, I mean, his, his defense is even better than it has been in the past. Uh, I mean, he's, he's carrying that team with Clay Thompson struggling. Jordan Poole's not really done a whole lot. Uh, like, I mean, he's kind of carrying the team right now on his back with his scoring and with his gravity. I mean, Wiggins is having a decent series, um, nothing crazy, but no one's really like, oh, that guy on the Warriors is carrying that team or, or the number two right now. It's kind of like Clay's struggling. Wiggins is all right. Draymond's playmaking like he normally does. Poole's not really stepped up a ton. He had a good second half the other day, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. Steph's kind of put the team on his back and, and carried them to where they are right now, which is a one, one series, which I think is one of the reasons why they lost game one was not only did Boston play great, but in the fourth quarter, but Steph didn't really have anyone to help him out offensively on in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I will agree with that one. I think, I think Steph's Steph's play this, this finals has basically shown he can, you know, he should have been MVP before. He still has a shot, you know, if they win this series. Um, it's just going to be a time for tell for, in a sense. So I want to get into this one. 
and 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 Dill, this might upset you a little bit, but <laughs> it means it will. It Not will. that it might. <laughs> um, this whole since game two, the end of game two, Draymond Green became right. the agitator, the new bully in the NBA. I mean, he's been this way this for his whole the game. Year. Yeah, I know. He's been but like this. Like, <laughs> it's been like he is like the top of the top now. Um, being compared to someone like Dennis Rodman, and he says it's not even in his league. Is Draymond a bully? Define bully. Does he not really worry about the game as much as trying to get into the other team's head? I think he does both. I think so too. I think the reason he gets into people's head is for the game. I mean, and I agree with him. I do think he's better than Dennis Rodman. You want to know why? Because he's a much better passer. To me, he affects the floor much better as far as facilitating on offense. I think they both play fantastic defense, but Draymond Green has that other side. He's not a good scorer by any means, but he's a good facilitator. So here's my question. Okay, because of what you just said there. Because of the situation with the technical fouls and things that can happen, who would you rather lose? Dennis Rodman for a game or Draymond Green? Dennis Rodman, hands down. I'd rather lose so Dennis Rodman. So don't you think that this means that he can push this button, but he has to watch himself so he doesn't get in trouble? Yeah, but it's Draymond. Draymond can breathe wrong and they're going to tee him up. Like, I mean, it's – like he, he does do stuff to get it like to it, get under repu- people's skin. Reputation uh, does matter. It does, and especially in the NBA today. Yeah, and it, the thing is, is it shouldn't. Like, I I don't think it should. I think each game is different. I mean, you you take into account if there is like a rivalry and there is serious bad blood between people, but the fact that like, and, and you can't. It's human nature to take baggage with you. Uh, and to, to carry that in when you see stuff happen. But I don't think Draymond just getting into someone's face should be a, a tee. Like, he got teed up early last game in game two. I think that was a, a terrible tech. But then they made up for it because they didn't tee up when he should have been teed up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, was... I was to say, I think it was made up for because the Jalen Brown situation. Well, the Jalen have... Brown, like, Stop trying to be a punk, a tough guy. Like, like that was Draymond wasn't trying to like hurt you. He was he he was literally sitting there, and you like shove him off. And Draymond's like, "Hey, chill out." And then you stand up over him. Like, what do you think well, Draymond's gonna do? Get not Draymond's been. Oh, okay, Jalen Brown. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna like you. No, Draymond's gonna get up and be like, "Try me. Like, come do something." Like that. I just like Jalen Brown trying to be a fake tough guy was was. Like when Draymond really wasn't doing anything was was kind of comical, and I love Jalen Brown, but that was just comical. Well, my th- my thing is about technical fouls. I do think reputation plays it because the whole thing of a technical technical foul is like something that's unsportsmanlike. It's like an unsportsmanlike conduct. When two players do the same thing, like I don't know, let's say someone gets mad and like slams the ball or does like a stare down like when Jason Tatum threw a dunk down over LeBron and stared him down and kind of bumped into him Jason Tatum isn't the type of player he's not an unsportsmanlike player so a ref can look in that and be like that's not hey, that's not his intention so that's where that reputation does take an effect it's like oh right. Draymond Green has done this multiple times we have seen him do this we know why he's doing this so to me, I mean, there is baggage, and I think there should be. I think, I mean, you have guys like if Donovan Mitchell, he won't get called for a technical often because that's just the type of player he is. But yeah, kind of. But you kind of take that with the toughness because even if you get the technical, you kind of rattle the other team. Well, like, the so, thing that, and I don't want to take too much away because I know that you haven't talked much but like the thing that's different is that any technical foul you get accrues points which then could lead to a suspension which like that's my point for draymond it's like okay 
like he just stared somebody down and then he gets a T. Well, then how many T's does he have and how many more Joe's suspension? Like you can't just hand out T's just because someone looks at somebody the wrong way. Like it's it's kind of it, you're you're messing like it's the what what Stephen A. call it the the dream or the LeBron James stimulus package or whatever. Whenever uh, Draymond got suspended in Game Five uh, in 2016 or whatnot because of the whole thing that I think was LeBron's starting it and Draymond was the one that got the T for that one and that suspended him. But you just can't hand out T's for for nothing because then you're, oh, you're messing with, with the whole T thing. And that's what I think that that people are doing right now is they're just handing out tees just for the just because it's Draymond Green and he looked at somebody the wrong way. Like that's well, really what it is. I guess that's my point is is because and this is I can't, you guys are kind of what I'm saying. You know, Draymond is considered a bully in the sense of the league. He because he gets those tees, but he can't go out of these games. He has to be playing. And if he's if they're gonna call him. Does it make does it change how he has to play? I know no. it's not going to, but does it well, change like if if you're if you're Steve Kerr, are you watching this a little differently? No, because look how many times has Draymond been sus- like in the playoffs suspended for a game because of technicals? Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it just that one time against LeBron? I feel like it is, but I think he's gotten so, close. He I gets, know he's got I was gonna say he's got he's, gotten, he's close this already right now. Well, he's gotten close, but it's not like it's a re- repetitive thing that keeps happening every no, year. No, you're right. You're right. So to me, I mean, the Golden State's won championships for a reason. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I agree. I agree. I agree. Here's I think the it's just... here's, here's the difference of Draymond Green. And I've, I've come in the last couple, like in the last month, I've started to come around with Draymond Green. You know, once you get older, you start respecting these players for how good they are, despite how you, you like them. Here's the difference between a bully as in Draymond Green and Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly is all bark, no bite. Draymond Green actually backs it up. And that's why and Draymond Green is smarter Pat Beverly just gets stu- – and, and Pat Beverly loses his cool when he's on the opposite end. That's one thing you don't see about Draymond Green. When they're down, he has he's a better chance of losing it on his teammate than the other team. And you can't say the same about Pat Beverly. So he's um, – Draymond Green's more composed. He's, he's a more mentally tough bully in my opinion. Okay. I mean, my, I guess my biggest thing is, is like I said, uh, was just the fact because of his bully, bully status, is he somebody you don't want to get hurt or get out? You know, when I say hurt, I should say more of like, you know, just the, you don't want to lose him during these series. And yes, like it hasn't happened a lot, but if it could, you know, if it happens, could that have been a reason that costs them a, the series be, you know, be a game who knows what, you know what I mean? I mean, if if he gets suspended for a game, it could cost him the series. I mean, look at 2016 or 2017 or whatever it is. Uh, Like it could cost him a series, but, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, I mean, he's only picked up. I think he only has one T for the finals, but I don't know if it. I don't think it resets for the play in the, for the finals. I think it's for the whole playoffs. I don't remember how many T's he's got for the whole playoffs, but it, I'll I'll definitely be interested to see how how Boston plays them. I mean, Draymond was already barking at Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown was complaining because he didn't get a call, so Draymond was saying some stuff to him. So, I mean, most of the time, though, I mean, if this helps, every time Draymond opens his mouth at somebody, I'm always nervous he's going to get a T. I don't care what he's saying. <laughs> I just think he's going to get a T. So, uh, I, Draymond will never change the way he plays, though. No, yeah. Love it or hate yeah. it, he will never change the way he no. plays. If he gets suspended for a game, he gets suspended for the game. In the same way, someone might hit their shoulder wrong and be out the rest of the game. I mean, it is what it is. It's just the fact of playing your style of ball. <laughs> so... You know, you live yeah. with you you live with it, but you also benefit from it. Yeah. Okay. So, last thing I want to talk is Dylan. Me and you talked about this last week. 
saying Robert Williams was probably the X factor of for Boston. I said Marcus Ga- Smart, I think. You did say Marcus Smart. I said Robert Williams. I'm sorry. But game two, he got hurt. And he was out, and it didn't make – let's not say it made a difference, but could it make a difference if he is out with significant time? Like, he's playing right now, but he's not playing a lot. He's not making impacts. Yeah, well, I think it could. Um, I mean, I don't know if it really – he's been injured. I mean, he's been recovering from a meniscus tear for a couple months now. Uh, and so he had it surgically repaired. He came back early in the playoffs, and he's kind of just been hampered with it. He's missed a couple games and a couple – I think he's missed one or two other games in series, uh, but it's the final, so he's not going to want to come out. But I think it's going to – I don't think it changes Boston too much. Um because they can sub in Grant Williams and still have size. I mean, he's not Robert Williams. He's not as good defensively, whatever. But they're going to go small ball, and, but they're going to be able to go five out and uh, have a guy have five. It gives Tatum and Jalen Brown more space. But I'll be interested to see um, if he does. If he does miss a whole game, I think that affects him. But if he's just going to run spurs, I think that it's not going to really do much for them because. They, it helps when they can go size against Golden State, and if he's out, then it um, then it'll affect him. But I don't think it'll be too much, unless he gets hurt worse. All right, Chris, you want to add anything to that one? Um, I, I agree with what Dylan. I mean, I agree with Dylan because I mean, when you look back, if you go after this finals, let's say Golden State wins, no one's gonna look back and be like, "Man, Golden State only won because Robert Williams was hurt." That's just not going to happen. I mean, unless you're like a salty Boston fan, that is the only reason you would say that. But if you lose a guy like that, there's a reason Horford's my X factor. If Horford gets hurt, that's serious altering because the Warriors, we've, we've talked about it all year. The Warriors biggest weakness is their lack of size inside. Yeah. And Al Horford is that guy who <laughs> can really hurt the Warriors in places not a lot of other players on the team can. So, obviously, an injury to any player hurts the team. But to me, it's – I mean, if you if you lost because one role player was injured, then, I mean, you have no place winning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I you, you, see, you see teams overcoming star injuries. Like when Luka made his run without Tim Hardaway – I know Tim Hardaway is not a star, but he's a significant piece. But and, and they still went to the Western Conference Finals, beating the one-seeded Suns. Yeah. So. All right. Well, with that note, we're going to take a break and come back, and we're going to talk a little bit of uh, about the hot seat. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Hey, guys, we're back from break, and – I know it's early, but you know, it's never every, too early. I was gonna say every season it happens. Um, but before we even go into the season, we're gonna talk about some coaches in the hot seat. And I'm gonna start off with everybody's favorite, the Dallas Cowboys. Is he in a hot seat or is he just pretty much gone because they're just waiting for Peyton to show up? I, Chris, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna give it to you first. He's in the hot seat because the Dallas Cowboys are the dumbest franchise and organization <laughs> in the history of the NFL. That's why he's in a hot seat. Name name another coach that in their first season goes 12 and five and wins their division after not winning their division and is considered to be on the hot seat. Give me a break. The Cowboys need to take the stick out of somewhere else, and they they need to start putting some blame somewhere else instead of their coach for one season ever. Anytime they don't succeed, it's not our players. It's our coach. It's always the coach's fault. I mean, it's, and if they don't blame the coach, who do they blame? Jerry Jones is too involved. Shut up and take some responsibility for once. I'm, I mean, yes. Is he on the hot seat this season? Yes. But that's because the Cowboys are dumb. Okay. But, He's made some questionable calls to put him in this position as well. Like what? 
I'm trying to remember that one. It was I, I can't remember exactly. It was the playoffs. Like they I made mean, the play- not not calling timeout uh, in th- a couple times in regular season games that cost them games. Having Dak Prescott run a little QB draw uh, that that killed the time and the lost them the game against. Yeah, but the if Niners. the team had if the team had half a sense of urgency, that's a smart play. If if Dak Prescott's aware and doesn't continuous run, that's a if that play, if they get the ball spiked, it's a fantastic play. But because Dak Prescott didn't execute it well enough to stop shorter and spike the ball, now it's Mike McCarthy's fault. Well, trust me, I don't disagree. I think the the Cowboys, for any Cowboy and Cowboy fan, is their first thought is to blame somebody else. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, like, I mean, even after that play, they blame the referee for not spotting the ball or having to touch the ball. It's yeah. like, no, that's the rule. The ref has to touch the ball. Like, it, you didn't get it spotted because, like you said, he didn't slide. Uh, and, and so I think, yes, the blame has to go on players. And, and I mean, we've had this argument with, with our faithful Cowboys friend uh, many a times <laughs> about you, the players need to take responsibility for their actions. Do I think Mike McCarthy, the thing is, I think Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat because Mike McCarthy, first of all, should have never got the job. So, so therefore he should like, he's, he's on the hot seat uh, because there's a bigger name. There's a better coach. Like if I'm like, I'd fire, if Sean Payton called Jerry Jones today and said, Hey Jerry, I want to come coach Dallas. Uh, if I'm Jerry, I fire Mike McCarthy. I can't. The next phone call I make is to fire Mike McCarthy. Uh, like that's an up, that's a huge upgrade as a coach, and that that helps you significantly as a team. But I mean, he's gonna. I think unless they win a playoff, unless they make it, I think to the conference championship game, he's gonna be fired. Well, Even yeah. If they that's... make it there, and and Sean Payton wants to come back and coach them, he'll probably get fired. But, but but that's what I'm saying is it's it's but he's on the hot seat because the Dallas Cowboys is a incredibly mind numbingly stupid organization because they shouldn't have hired him in the first place. What he went twelve and five and won the division. If you still think he should be fired, then clearly you hired the wrong guy from the start. I think he was the best name. At that time, I don't think he was the best person. I think he's the best name for that time. No, no, that's wrong. Yeah, he was I, the yeah. most. <laughs> he was the most. He was the most manipulate manipulatable candidate. That okay, Jerry I can give you that one. Stephen I can Jones give you that could one. say, "Hey, Mike, I want this," and Mike say, "Okay, okay, Mr. Jones, I got it. I'll go do that." Because Jerry Jones can't uh, can't handle somebody who's gonna talk back and want to do the, their own way. So, okay. So next on my list, this is the New York Jets. They put a lot of pieces together. They put a lot of things from this draft. They do. All, they have a lot of weapons now. If Robert Sala can't pull it off, is he gone? No. It's too early. I mean, when you have a coach like there's there's a difference between Urban Meyer and Mike McCarthy and these guys. There's it's a difference Robert... between Urban Meyer and the worst <laughs> coach. There's, there's everybody and there's the worst coach to ever coach in the NFL. There's, there's a significant gap between those yes, two. <laughs> but the, the difference is reputation. I mean, Robert Sala is extremely professional. He's a good coach. He's well respected, and I don't. I just don't see him losing the locker room. And to me, to get fired in your second season, it requires the coach to lose their locker room. And okay. to me, I think I think Robert Sala is much too respected. And to me, I mean, they're going into their second year of a rookie quarterback with a lot of moving pieces. So, it, it, if he goes like winless, then. Yeah, I mean, he's probably in trouble, but I think he's safe if he wins more than four games. Okay. Dill, do you? I, I think it depends on how the season looks. Like, if the Jets end up being a two-win team, but they're a two-win team because they they were in every game and it just happened. Didn't that go the that ball way. Bounced, the ball bounced a different way. Like the Lions. 
Yeah. Like then then he keeps his job. Now if they go two wins and they just get they look trash and like he's not developing players, I don't I, I think he, he could be gone. Now this is the thing. I think if Robert Sala develops the talent on the team and they aren't as good and Zach Wilson sucks, I still think he keeps his job. Because then you can say as a coach, I can go to Joe Douglas, I can go to ownership and say, look. I've done this with the rest of the team. Zach just isn't working. We need another shot. Like they could have that they, shot. They could get they could get an opportunity. I don't think they get an opportunity to take a rookie. Again, I think they have to then go for a a, a more Somebody, veteran quarterback on the market, whether that's through via trade or Kirk uh, something like that. Ooh. No, Kirk won't. I don't think Kirk would be on the move. But that could be. I mean. I know the Shanahan tree loves Kirk Cousins, uh, so maybe. But, but like a Kyler Murray could come available. A Jalen Hurts, if they want, like to move on. Philly wants to move on. Um, something, someone with some experience. I think that's what happens if Robert Sala gets another chance at a quarterback. But I think most likely he's safe. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with another one here. Carolina's Matt Rule. I think he's on a shorter leash. Reason being, you saw Joe Brady get let it go midseason last year because things weren't working out. And to me, as far as proven, he doesn't really have much NFL clout right now because he came from Baylor. So to me, he doesn't have the reputation to back up another bad season. And they've have They've had good enough talent. The thing is, the Panthers have seen success, more success than they've had in the past couple years. Obviously, McCaffrey's been hurt, yes. But they've had relatively the same team. Like, they haven't had any major switch around. And the fact that they haven't gotten better with what they had of a young core, I think it's a red flag. And to me, I could see Matt Rule completely losing the locker room this year. I could see that too. Dylan, do you have anything you want to add with that one? Uh, no, I, I think that's accurate. I was, I think, so if you would ask me this, what's this? Matt rules going into his fourth year. Yeah. If you would ask me going into year two or even year three last year, I mean, fame, I, I don't know if it's famous or whatnot, but what, what was it? Week two or three last year. I was like, I think the Panthers could be a Super Bowl contender. When when the Panthers when Sam Darnold started off hot they were three and zero and then McCaffrey gets hurt Sam Darnold goes downhill but if you would ask me going into year two or year three of Matt Rule I think Matt Rule was a up and coming star coach in the NFL and I think the reason my opinion is about to shift on him is that they've dedicated so much time to the quarterback position that they've allowed the rest of the team and the the there to suffer for it because they're just so focused on getting that quarterback and they're so focused on not losing their job that I think it's it's going to cost them as a team. Now, that's well, a really good point. I mean, because you look at their young defense, that defense, if you invested like a couple more pieces while searching for that quarterback, to me, they're an easy top three defense in the NFL with the talent they have on the defensive end. I think Matt Rule's best shot, trade for Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield. They're, I think they're, 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 I, an I, upgrade, they're an upgrade. For, I love Sam Darnold. I've been a Sam Darnold defender for the longest, but I just don't think he's it. And if you want to save your job, you got to go get one of those guys. I would have like said Jimmy even G have going chance. to New York. That would have been me. Which New York? Jets. Not this year. It's too early. No, no. I'm saying like where we, I was going to say it at the, what we were talking about earlier about if – if Zach Wilson doesn't show up this season and you're looking at Robert Sala and Jimmy G still like, you know, if he stays with San Francisco or if he doesn't go somewhere else. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He, so, that, that's a veteran option for yeah. next year. If that doesn't work. All right. Next one. Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona Cardinals. Dylan, you're up first. You have more invested in the Cardinals than I do. You like clean. Don't you like Cliff a lot? No, not really. Uh, but Oops. I'll go first. I uh, think he's no, not he's not. A, I don't think he is because he just got extended. He just got a new three-year yeah, deal. But 
but I think the problem I'm having with it is, is they start out hot and then everybody the figures question them is, out. The question is, should he be on the hot seat? The answer oh, is yes to that question. The answer, the, the answer to the question, is he on the hot seat, is no. <laughs> should right. he? Yes, because I exactly what be. you pointed out, because he starts off hot and then they suck at the end of the year. And they've done that not only at Arizona, but at Texas Tech. He also did that. Yeah. And so I think he needs to be on the hot seat. I don't think – I think he would be an amazing NFL offensive coordinator. I think as an NFL head coach, he needs to – he needs to not be that. But as an NFL offensive coordinator, I think he would be great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with Dylan. I agree with Dylan. He definitely should be on the hot seat. But based on the extension – He's not. He's probably not going to um, be. He's, he's not going to be. Now, if they suck but, it up and they end up like 4 and five, 12 or 13, then he probably gets fired. But well, he's been he, – all the critique, he's been able to hide behind Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray has been in the media with the wanting to move teams. And so, I mean, I think <laughs> in a sense, I think Kyler Murray taking a lot of the light it kind of helped him a lot. Yeah, I think I think Kyler he owes Kyler a lot right now. And it doesn't help that I mean their D Hop was out for a significant part of last year and he's gonna be out for the first six games this year. Yeah. All right. The last one I have as a hot seater, and I only have this because well, because of all that's going on in the NFL with him. Well, not with him, but his team. Kevin Stefanski. Do you think the whole if Baker has to be their quarterback and he doesn't play well, D Watt is out because of all the stuff that's going on. Do you think he gets thrown into that hot seat mix if they're not doing great? Because they have a lot of weapons. They have everything. And, and before, you gotta think before this whole thing really happened with with you know, even more extension of D Watt they were looked at as the team to possibly do something in, in the AFC North. So is Stefanski on a hot seat or is he safe no matter what? That one's really tough. Mm-hmm. That's why I brought it up. Because there's so much, there's so many extra third party things happening that could be attributed blame before him. Um. And the Browns have seen so much failure in their history that since they've had Stefanski, I mean, yeah, they haven't been up to their potential, but they're still exceeding the extremely low bar that has been set by the Cleveland Browns. So it's tough because, I mean, if he doesn't have Deshaun Watson, how much can you really blame him? Because the, the, the team itself turned on Baker Mayfield. If you're expecting Baker Mayfield to go in there and play with 100% of his heart, you're out of your mind. Like, that's just not going to happen. You completely turned your back on him from the front office to the coach to the players. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, to, to, to me, it's it's kind of like the Robert Sala that Dylan mentioned. He's like, it depends how ugly it is. Okay. I don't think the Browns are going to be good. I will, I'm under the impression that Watson's not playing next year. I mean, more things just keep popping up. And there's talk of a possible void of guaranteed money for Deshaun Watson based on more people coming forward and speaking in the allegations against him. So if I was a Browns fan, I would want to just skip this season because it's going to be from their hopes being driven so high by the addition of Deshaun Watson to come crashing back down, not back down to where Baker Mayfield was, but further down because they're going to, they, they have to trade Baker Mayfield. They got to recoup something for him because he's just not, if he does decide to play, you're not going to get good play from him. No. Not, well, not, he, not no, he's gonna have to play good though. Well, he's going to because he's he's playing yeah. for a contract. He's playing for a contract. True. He's kind of he's kind of set between a, a, a rock and a hard place because he doesn't want to play good for Cleveland, but he's gonna have to play good. And if he wants to play somewhere else, period. And talk about a city turning their back on a court. Oh, it frustrates me. I like Baker. No, not even not yeah. I mean, 
turning your back on the first competent quarterback you've had in two decades and yeah. saying like now do i disagree with the idea of upgrading a position when you can no i think if you can upgrade you upgrade but the the way that they did it and not trading him like saying oh we're going after the watson but no baker we're not going to accommodate your trade request when there's other teams who are available like indianapolis oh wait Deshaun doesn't want to be here. Oh, Baker, you're going to make it work and you're going to stay here. Oh, wait, never mind. We're going to trade for Deshaun and Baker will accommodate your request. Oh, Matt Ryan's now in Indy? Dang it. Like, at this point, like, you, you, the Browns back themselves into a hard place when it comes to Baker. Uh, And Baker might have to bail them out (laughs) if he wants a contract. Like, that's that's going to be the thing. Uh, But I don't think Savancy's on the hot seat. I mean, if anything, Andrew Barry's on the hot seat if this thing goes south. They're GM because, I mean, he staked his reputation. Yep. But I think if Andrew Barry goes, Stefanski maybe has one year with a new GM, and depending on how that goes, he could get gone too. So I don't think he's good, gone, but who knows. Okay. All right. So last week we did a, a little, you know, had a little fun with our top five um, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers and stuff. This week we're going to go a little top five, but we're going to do a little different. Each of us are going to give the top five from five to one of who's going to be the fifth pick all the way to the first pick in 2023 NFL draft. It's pre-season. It's before the season even starts, so let's see what happens. Who would like to go first? Ty, do you want to drive this conversation? And Dylan and I can either agree or disagree based on where we have the rankings. That works. I can do that. Let's do that. All right, so I have number five. I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just go down your list. Okay. Number four, I've got the Atlanta Falcons. Hey, I'll be honest. I'm being I'm I'm being upfront and honest with my team. Number three, I got the Detroit Lions. Number two, I got the Seattle Seahawks. And number one, I got the Houston Texans. You're being generous with your Falcons. Hey, hey, I'm trying to shush. <laughs> I had, the, I thought first? about them. I thought I'm at three. I really did, but I mean, I don't, I don't see the Falcons getting a top five pick this year. I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they're going to benefit from a crap division other than the books, obviously. So then, but, what would you say your five are? I mean, number one, I think, <laughs> I think we're all going to have a most agree on the Houston Texans. They were trash, and their draft was not good. No. Um, number two, I'm going with uh, – see, this is tough. Um, who was it? I had someone picked out. I think I had the Jacksonville Jaguars at number two. I don't really? think they added – yeah, I just – well, they're all their offseason. They spent so much money on okay players. I feel like they had a big offseason, like, in volume – but the quality was kind of trash. Okay. Um, I'm going to put the Browns at five. I think they're going to drop off significantly. I'm going to put Seattle at four and at three. I got to go with the New York Giants. Hmm. Sorry, I did it kind of one, two, five, four, three. <laughs> I, I think I. So yours is Houston, Jacksonville. Giants, Giants, Seahawks, Browns. Yes. Browns is tough because they their running game and their defense is I don't I might not feel comfortable putting the Browns at five. I might put the Saints at five. Oh, I would have put this. I, I have the Saints uh, like in a, is a 15, like in the top. Like I have them not making the playoffs, but not. I think they're going to be pretty bad. They've lost some key defensive pieces. They lost their coach. They have no quarter. Well, they have went Jameis, but they have no consistent quarterback. They have a running back who's completely dependent on game planning around him. I mean, they have Chris Olave, and, and then they have Michael Thomas, who feels like he never wants to play football. That is a bold take, taking New Orleans at five. Gonna be the fifth worst team in the NFL next year. I'm a bold okay. guy, Dylan. What can I say? 
I mean, you are the guy that said the Jets were going to be better than the the Chargers last year. So, hey, let's not. All right, Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't got my pizza, by the way. Well, we were supposed to, but we were supposed to in Pennsylvania, but you didn't hang out with us. Oh, sorry. I know. I, I know you had obligations. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> uh, but my list, I would say at five, I'd have Detroit, and it's reluctantly putting Detroit in there. I I didn't necessarily want to. I could swap them with a couple different teams like Seattle, um, things like that. Um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna do that right now. Uh, Seattle is going to be at five. I think the Seahawks or the Lions are going to be outside the, the top five. I don't uh, want them to be. So I think the Seahawks are five. The Giants are going to be four. A team that we haven't said for is going to be three for me, and that's the Chicago Bears. The number two is where we actually disagree. I, I have like Houston at number much. two. I have Houston at two. I have the Atlanta Falcons at one. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll take the number one pick. That's all right. I can do that. Uh, but so this is my reason. This is what I think. I think Seattle is just – I don't know what is going to happen with DK because DK is holding out of camp. I, I don't know if they give him a contract or they trade him. If they trade him, well, you're just punting on this year. Yeah. Like, that's, that's essentially what you're doing. Um, but I'm assuming that DK comes back and their team's just not that good. Um, the Giants, I like. I, I think Daniel Jones will be have a fine season. They'll win four or five games, may, and then they'll be the the fourth pick. And Daniel Jones will, won't be a Giant next year. Um, the Bears are awful. the The Bears don't have anything. They have Justin Fields, who's a project, uh, and they have no weapons on the outside. They have David Montgomery. Oh. Not on outside, the outside. I know, not outside. Uh, they have they have Mooney, but they don't Mooney. have a second option. So Mooney's gonna see Mooney's more of a wide receiver two on a good team. I don't think I, he's yeah, a solid number one. And so you're gonna get the number one corner every week. You don't have a number two option. You have Cole Komet, who I like, but like you can only dump it over the middle so much. Uh and then you don't have a defense. You have some de- decent pieces on defense, Rokon Smith, Jalen Johnson, uh, people like that, but I just don't think they're going to be a good team. And I, I do like what they've done in the front office and the coaching staff. Houston, I think they'll be bad, but I don't think it'll be as bad as everyone thinks they will be. I like Davis Mills. I like some of their draft picks and Damian Pierce uh, and, and some other guys. Retaining Brandon Cooks, I think, it will be will be helpful. I think they'll have a decent season. I think they'll probably be the number two or number three pick. And then the Falcons are just the Falcons. Name of, <laughs> I, I like, I have said, I like what they did in the draft. I like the Desmond Ritter pick. I like Drake London. I like those things, but they still have, they don't have a good O-line. They need some oh. help on the D-line. They got some projects, I think, on the D-line, which I like. Yep. Epiquette, uh, guys like that. Uh, they have A.J. Terrell, which I think is huge, but they, they still need help in the secondary. They, st- they need help on every level. And so I think they just end up being the worst team, which I think is the best thing for them because say Desmond Ritter hits and Desmond Ritter is a good quarterback. Guess what? You have the number one overall pick next year. Then a, lot of draft a, t- picks. a team wants to come up That's a lot of two or three draft picks that you get and you're, you're funding, you're, you're fueling that team and you're able to, to build out the roster around them. So I think that that the the best case scenario for Atlanta is to suck. So my question is, Dylan, about so Atlanta. That, that helps me a lot, though, because I like when Atlanta sucks. So my my question for you, Dylan, is I'm looking at Atlanta's schedule to be the number one pick. Roughly two wins. Two to three like wins. The, yeah. Two to three wins. They have they have a game, and I'm not saying they're going to win all these games. I'm saying they're. I, I think they have a significant chance of winning these games. The Saints, Seattle, no. Seattle, no. the Browns without a quarterback, Carolina, no, Carolina again, Chicago, Washington, and the Saints. To me, I don't think they beat the Saints at all. I think you're a huh, severely underrating the Saints. Severely underrating the Saints. We'll, we'll uh, but I will give them three wins. I, I give them, yeah, I, I give them three, three wins. I, I I see them maybe beating Chicago. I see them maybe beating Seattle. Washington. I don't see them beating the Browns. 
I still don't think they beat Washington on well, a I'm not saying, talent like, basis. But, but, like, but like I said, I'm not saying like all the games I mentioned are for sure wins. And well, I know that. Team, and, and a team is always good for at least like one upset in the year. Like when the Broncos beat down on the Cowboys. I'll just make sure I mention that. I mean. I don't disagree. <laughs> I think that they could win a couple games and they'll be in game. But like on a pure talent standpoint, like they they're they might be one of the least talent deficient teams. The Lions have more talent than them. The Jags have more talent than them. Like I I think they might be the most talent deficient team. May their rival Houston with talent deficiency. Now I think in two years that that could be a different story, but. Right now, they're talented. We're allowed to have we're allowed to have different opinions. That's a great thing about it. Best thing is, is I'm I'm agreeing on both sides. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, with that, guys, we're gonna close out this episode. And uh, as always, you know, if you have comments, things, let's let us know topics. Please let us know. We're gonna kind of keep going with these little, you know, pick fives. Uh, We're gonna do something every week. Um, so I want to pick a, I want to pick 11. If, pick if, 11. You're a, if you're a Saints fan at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chris up. If you're a Saints fan, just argue why you're not going to suck. Keep uh, in mind, keep in mind, 70% of my family is Saints fans. I'm, I'm going to actually, you know, well, here's my thing is, is I, I can't I've already, stand the Saints, but I still think that they'll be a good team. I've already given this season to Tampa, I mean, but I still don't think that they're going to go far, but they have the easiest division to win. Like Brady's got the easiest way to get to the playoffs. 100%. So, um, all right. With that, we'll let you go. We'll talk next week. See you. Thank you.